Uh, it'll be a continuation of what we started in our Sunday school class here this morning and then what we'll be talking about right now. And uh, we'll, we will continue on with, with uh, uh, that thought and, and uh, in Revelation there uh, tonight. So please be sure you're here tonight. Even bring somebody else here. Let's, let's get a few more folks in here to hear what God has for us to say. Uh, I, I, I pray and I've been praying for what the Lord would have for me to say here. And I truly believe that this is what God has. You know, whenever we, we try to plan something, it's not what we, uh, you know, what, what exactly what maybe should be. But when God does it, I, I believe it's right. And I truly believe what we're going to be talking about here uh, is what God has for us today in this very hour with these very folks here at Galilee Baptist Church. And I thank you uh, for the privilege and opportunity. I thank Pastor uh, for his willingness to allow me to fill in for the pulpit while he is gone. And I certainly appreciate that. It's just, uh, I, I enjoy it. As I mentioned in the Sunday school class, I just enjoy with being with you folks. You're such a, a great blessing and just great time of fellowship. And and you're always uh, nice and friendly. And, you know, I've been to churches that aren't that way. I've even preached in churches that, that may not necessarily be uh, the friendliest places to be. But I am glad that when I can come to Galilee Baptist Church, you folks are, are uh, just, you know, you're down home, you're country. And uh, I, I feel at home here in Montana when I'm right here in Stevensville. So I'm glad that we can all be together. I want you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, and let's all stand as we uh, read the, the verses that we're going to read here in Revelation chapter 3, and then in a moment we'll sit down. Revelation chapter 3, and verse, uh, we'll begin reading in verse 14, and we'll read down to verse 17. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and poor and miserable, uh, poor and blind, uh, excuse me, miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's all we'll read for right now. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this passage of scripture. Yet again, we will talk about another one of these churches that are written here in uh, uh, the book of Revelation. And I pray, Lord, in the next few moments that uh, your Holy Spirit will come down, that you get spirit-filled listening to uh, your people here this morning. And again, I ask, Lord, that you would anoint my tongue, that I might speak that only which you would have me to speak, that might speak in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And, Lord, nothing that I say would be out of my own thoughts, out of my own ways, out of my own mouth, but that which you want me to speak here this morning. Lord, I, I preach not for the cause of men. I preach for the cause of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would do a great work here today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The Bible says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. Cold nor hot. We think about cold, the, the, that th these people were neither cold nor hot. They were basically in the middle. They, if you will, were fence-sitting. They were compromising. They were not completely out in the world, but yet they were not sold out for Christ either. They were neutral. They were lukewarm. And uh, yuck, I don't like lukewarm water. I don't know about you, but I do not like lukewarm water. No wonder God says it makes him sick and vomit. Can you imagine that? It makes him sick. When he looks down and he is picturing this church, the church of the Laodiceans, as a church that is in the middle, as a church that hasn't made up his mind, as a church, as a people that have said, well, we don't want to completely get in the world, and yet we don't want to be completely sold out for God. And we find many churches today that are they're in this same situation. 
They find that churches today have some worldliness in it, and yet because of that worldliness, they haven't completely sold themselves out to God. They haven't completely said, okay, God, what do you want? What kind of service do you want? What kind of music do you want? What kind of special do you want? What kind of preaching do you want? And so they find them, the, the, the churches today, we find many churches today that have found themselves not completely in the world, but yet not completely sold out for God. Now I want you to think about these seven churches, and we're not going to go into every single one and read every single one, but I want you to think about this. In every single one of the churches, the same phrase is mentioned about every single church. The only difference is the very first church, when he begins the chapter, uh, or excuse me, uh, begins in chapter 2, the Bible says, unto the angel. And then uh, you see the conjunction uh, and, uh, you see the conjunction and when he starts talking about the rest of the churches. In other words, there is a continual thought, a conjunction. So, so when you start off in chapter 2, you begin the thought of these seven churches. And then, uh, and then when you get to each church, it says, and unto. In other words, this is the continual thought. This is what continues to go on uh, in this church and what this church is all about. We said in our Sunday school class that during this time, there were many, many, many churches that were, uh, that were around. And God had chosen se seven churches, I be believe, uh, that, that kind of represented what these churches were going uh, through, and he puts these in the Bible so that we can understand that churches can go through a lot of different things. Now, we talked about the Church of Smyrna in our Sunday school class and the persecuted church and, 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 and how many people had given their lives and how they had to take a stand for Christ. And, and so we look, at that, we look at that church. But today, as we go into the service here today, uh, I want you to understand that God says three things in each of, when he addresses each, each one of these churches, he, sa he says these three things. So, when we start off with chapter 2, he says, unto the angel of the church of, and then each church, he mentions that name. So, as you go to talk about each one of these churches, he says, unto the angel of the church of, and that na the name of that church, where we already talked about Smyrna. Right now, we're, we're going to be talking about the church of Laodicea. So unto that church, the angel speaks to that church, or the messenger, or the leader of that church, maybe even the pastor of that church, begins to speak and talk to the people of that specific church. As God says, this is what I want that leader to say to this church. This church this is what I want you to know about your church. This is what I want you to know. This is what's going on. We also talked about the fact that each of these churches can represent a certain time period from even from Christ all the way until, uh, until today. And so uh, many people believe that the church of Laodicea represents our time today as we look at the time frame with all these other churches and it's listed last and so we look at the church of Laodicea. And so we see that uh, it says, unto the church of, and it mentions the name of the church. Then, in each of these churches, if you'll look at each one of these churches, he says this phrase to every single one of the churches. He says this. He says, I know thy works. Take a look at it. Now, not necessarily right now, but later on when you get home, you can look through the chap chapters, chapter 2 and chapter 3, and you will see that as God, speak, as God uh, is speaking to, uh, to that church and allowing that uh, minister to talk to those churches and let them know what's going on, he says, I know thy works. I know what's going on. And right now, I am about to tell you what is going on in your church. I know thy works. I know what you're going through. I know what kind of church you are. And I know what you're doing. And I want you to be aware of it. Then at the end, or close to the end in most of these, there is another phrase, and it says this. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. In other words, with all of these churches, God is saying, look, I am 
I am using these messengers to bring forth a message to each one of these churches. But while I am doing that, I want everybody in the world to hear as they read the word of God. I want everybody to understand this. I want you to take your ear. I want you to understand what's going on with the church. And I want you to hear what the spirit of God is saying to the church. I want you to hear what this church is going through. I want you to hear what kind of church this is. Because uh, whether it be good, whether it be bad, I want you to understand, I want you to learn what these churches are about and find out what you should be or maybe what you shouldn't be, what kind of church you should be, where you should be going as a church. And so uh, God says, I, I, <coughs> I know thy works and I want you to hear what I have to say. So we look at, we, we go to the church of Laodicea. And as I mentioned before, earlier in the Sunday school class, these, these churches, the names of these churches, these places were actual places. Uh, and, and they were actual, you know, there was actual uh, people that lived uh, in these places. And he says, I know what your church is all about. And uh, the, Bible, the Bible says that as you begin to, to talk about the church of Laodicea, He's, 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 he's begins to talk about the fact that he is, uh, he is important to the church. He is important to what the, the, the people are saying. And as you look at verse 14, uh, he, he addresses uh, who he is. He says, I am the amen. I am the faithful and the true witness. So what is he doing? He's telling what he is. I am, the, I am the witness, I am the amen, I am the faithful and the true witness. And what does he do? Well, the Bible says here in uh, verse 14, the end of the verse, he says, the beginning of the creation of God. So he wants the church of Laodicea to, to, right at the very beginning. He, he wants the church of Laodicea to understand who he is and what he does. You know, it's always nice to know what you're doing, right? <laughs> and, 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 and God is saying here, as he gives us the scripture, he says, look, I want you to understand who I am. And not only do I want you to understand who I am, but I want you to understand what I can do. Because as we continue on, uh, he, you know, there's a reason why he's saying this. There's a reason why he wants them to understand who he is and what he does. You know, a, a parent may have their, you know, have their child and, and say, uh, you do understand what I'm trying to tell you, right? You do understand that you're not supposed to be doing this. And that child will look up and say, yes, mother, or yes, daddy, I do understand what you're saying. And I do understand who you are. You're my parents. And, and hopefully they will listen, right? And this is, the same, this is the same thing I think that God is trying to bring forth to the church of Laodicea. He's trying to say, look, I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. You know, I can almost see his finger pointing and saying, look, do you, you do understand that I am the amen, the faithful and the true witness. You do understand that, right? You do understand what I can do. I can create everything. I am the creator. You do understand that, right? So, so now I, I can always see God pointing his finger just as a, as a parent would because something is happening in the church of Laodicea that was terrible. It was awful. The word Laodicea means judgment of the people. And believe it or not, this, this boggled my mind as I was studying it, but there were a lot of people that named their children Laodicea. I, I, you know, judgment of the people. Why would you name your children at, at, during that time? Get, get you. But during that time, there were a lot of, a lot of women that would name their children. Uh, or it was a common name for women. Uh, and, and, uh, but, but it means judgment of the people. I, I don't understand why people would want to do that. But it was a, it was a very cultured city. It was a very rich city. Uh, it, it was educated. It was a place where, you know, if, if you think about some places today, you, you think about culture, you, you go to different places, even in the United States, and you might find more uh, richer areas, and you might find more cultured areas, you might find more educational areas, and this was kind of the place that Laodicea was. God shows to himself, he says, I want you to know who I am, and I want you to know what I can do. 
Now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 19. We'll, we'll have a couple passages of scriptures that we're going to look at here. Uh, but Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to take a look at a passage of scripture. You see, he told the church of Laodicea, look, you are, you're, ne you're neither hot, you're, you're cold. You're, you're neither cold, you're neither hot. You are lukewarm. You are fence-setting. You haven't decided what you want to do. You haven't, you, you haven't gotten your, you, you haven't, uh, you know, jumped all the way in. You're just getting your feet wet. We find ourselves in Matthew chapter 19, and, and beginning of verse 16, it says this, And behold, one came and said unto uh, him, Good master, what thing shall I do that I may inter have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter uh, into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus saith, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. What is he saying here? He says, look, th th this, this man says, I've been doing all of this. I, you know, I've been following the, the law. I've been obeying the law. I've been doing what God wants me to do. And then Jesus says, I want to find out what kind of sacrifice you really want to make. He says, I want you to take and I want, to sell every, I want you to sell everything that you have and I want you to go give it to the poor and I want you to follow me. You see, Jesus knew this man's heart. Jesus knew where this man stood. Now, is, is there anything wrong with having uh, stuff? No, but it's a matter of the heart. And what Jesus is trying to say here in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus knew this man's heart. Jesus knew that this man was following the law, and he thought he was, he was good. He thought, he, he thought everything was right, and everything was good, and, and, and you know, God is, must be happy with me because I'm, I'm doing everything that my priest tells me, and, you know, and, and I'm following all, all of that. But Jesus says, are you willing to give everything up so you can follow me? See, Jesus knew what his heart was. He, he knew uh, uh, that this man had a mind of the world. He knew that this man had a mind that, said, that would say, and the, the later the Bible says that the, the man walked away sorrowful because he wasn't willing to do that. He knew that this man, uh, this man wasn't willing to give up whatever he can to follow Jesus. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3, if you will. Philippians chapter 3, and let's look at a couple of verses there in Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, we see the kind of attitude that we need to have when it comes uh, to the things of this world. The Bible says in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. In other words, uh, the, the worthless, uh, uh, the, the, the things of this world, the things that might uh, drift my mind and my heart away from God, I count that as worthless waste in order so that I can win Christ. Now this man that we just talked about uh, there in Matthew, this man was not willing to take what he had and to give it up for Christ. Now, I'm not talking about everybody go sell your house, buy, you know, sell everything. But what God is talking about here is an attitude. What God is talking about here is, is uh, the things that you have, are they drawing you away from God? Well, they did to this young man, right? And what God is saying here is that I count all things but lost that I might win Christ. I count them as worthless waste. I count everything that is in this world nothing in order that I might please my God. What does it say in Revelation chapter 3? You're neither hot nor cold. Uh, this young man, well, he was serving, right? He, he kind of he got his feet wet in doing the things that were right. 
but he wasn't willing to jump into the pool. And he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he wasn't willing to sacrifice. And the Bible says that all that we have as, as, as gain, the things that we have as gain, we, we need to have the attitude in our hearts that, yes, God has blessed me, that, yes, God has done this, and God has done that. Praise the Lord for that. But it is nothing, it is nothing if I don't please my God. If I don't put him... Uh, and, and make him the glory of my life. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 and verse 2 talks about the, seeking those things that are above, setting our affections on things that are above, not on things on the earth. You see, all these things are good. There's nothing wrong with a lot of things. There's nothing, there, there's nothing wrong with being blessed. Praise the Lord for that. God is blessed folks, and, and, and praise the Lord for that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with uh, 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 allowing uh, God to do great things and bless your family. and do. But what God is saying is it's a heart attitude. And a lot of times the things that God may give us, many different things, and we'll talk about it more here in a little bit, but many things that go on in our life, the different various things that go on in our life, they draw us away from God. They draw us away from what God wants. And basically what happens is we become, uh, we become fence setters. We, we, uh, yes, God has blessed us, but yet we're not all out for God. And yet we're not uh, you know, completely in the world. And God, what does he say? I know thy works. Laodicea, I know what the Spirit is trying to tell us. He says, I want you to take ear and hear what the Spirit of God is trying to tell this lukewarm church, what is he trying to, to tell them? What is he trying to tell us here today? Near Laodicea, there was a, uh, a mineral hot springs. And the people would come, and it would be just like, you know, drinking uh, 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 mineral springs, but it was hot. And uh, uh, it was good when it was hot. But if you tried to drink it when it was warm, it was disgusting. And this is exactly the picture, I think, that God was talking through the Spirit of God, through his messenger to the church of Laodicea and saying, look, you are lukewarm. You are disgusting. You are a fence-setter. You haven't decided where you want to be. You haven't gone all out for God. You just want to touch him in the world a little bit, and then you want to kind of come to church on Sunday, and you just want to maybe even come just on Sunday morning, and you, you don't want to maybe come Sunday night, and then Wednesday night, and hear as much as you can from the Word of God. He says, I, 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 I want you to do more than that. I want you to be faithful. I want you to uh, realize that, uh, that we, God wants you to be hot. He wants you not to be lukewarm. Where are our affections leaning toward? Where, are our, where is our attention leaning toward? Many today have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. They, they act like the Lord, the, the Lord might want them, but yet, and they might look the part. They might be where everybody can see them when it comes to being at church and everything. They have that form of godliness, but through the rest of their life, they deny the power thereof. They, they deny God. You see, the, the Jewish people uh, of that day had grown up being taught the Jewish uh, traditions, right? They, they, they grew up being taught and believing that their performances and their actions and their behaviors is what mattered the most. I mean, uh, when they would go to the synagogue, they would go to their, uh, you know, their synagogue Sunday school. I don't know what they called it. But their synagogue Sunday school or their Bible hour, and they would sit there and listen to the priests as the priests would, uh, or the rabbi, excuse me. Sometimes they were called priests for the Jewish people too. But, but they would sit there and they would listen to their teacher, and their teacher would tell them, teach them the law. And they learned all about it. They might have memorized verses. They might have known whole chapters. They, they knew they could uh, quote, you know, the Ten Commandments. I mean, they, they knew all about the law. They, they were educated. They, know, they knew how to have the right actions and the right behavior. But many of them didn't understand 
what mattered the most. You see, we already talked about the fact that there are things that can draw us away from God. And there are things that can take our heart away from God. Now, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, if you will. Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 27, we see, we see just one thing that can draw us away from God. The Bible says, no man... Uh, verse 24, did I say 27? I'm not sure. But verse 24, chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So here we see that it, it is a, another thing about the mind. It is another thing about the, the, uh, what, what we think uh, we ought to be doing. So God says, look, uh, I want you to understand that you can only have one master. You can only have one master. You cannot have God and something else. You cannot uh, have God and, and say, I'm going to serve this as well, or even an idol. Who knows? But you cannot have two masters. The Bible says no man can serve two, two masters. You're going to hold on to the one or you're going to hold on to the other. You cannot serve both. And the Bible says you can't serve God and you can't serve money. Now, did God say here that money was wrong? No. Did God say here that money is not important? No. But what God did say is it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of what we decide that we're going to put first place in our life. So many people have decided otherwise. Now, Matthew chapter 6, and let's turn back the page and look at verse 19. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. The Bible says here, Matthew chapter 6, there in verse 19, lay, a, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, when we look at verse uh, 19, the Bible talks about perishable treasure, uh, treasure that is on earth, treasure where moth and rust doth corrupt, uh, treasure where thieves can come in and take it. These are physical things. These are, these are perishable things as we look at in verse 19. Now, if we look at verse 20, the Bible says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So now we have a perfect treasure. Not, it's not perishable. It's perfect. It's something that, that is it's going to last. It's something that is going to be eternal. It's something that is uh, uh, not going to fade away. It's something that's not going to rust. It's something that can't be stolen. It is a perfect treasure. A treasure that is laid up in heaven. Then, not only did we see a perishable treasure, but a perfect treasure. But as we look here, God says in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We see a personal treasure. A personal treasure. This treasure is where your heart is. It's either going to be something that is, is corruptible, something that is perishable, or your treasure that you lay up is going to be something that is eternal. Your treasure that you lay up is going to be something that you do that is not corruptible. It, it, it can't be taken away. And God says that personal treasure is the, the treasure. Which one is it? The, tr the treasure is where your heart is. So what, what is God saying here? Just like we've looked at already, it's the, it's the attitude. It's the attitude what, toward what God has given to us. It's the attitude toward the blessings that God has given to us. It's the attitude that God wants to have for each and every one of us. And that is an attitude that we take what we have, we're thankful for it, but we don't put that first place. We don't put that before God. We don't allow it to become an idol. We don't, we don't worship down before it. We allow those things to be, uh, we bless us, but yet we put God first. And that is where 
our heart is. The treasure. A treasure is something that is greatly valued. Many people uh, have looked for treasure over the years. Many people have found treasure over the years. Maybe you found treasure over the years. And it's always a blessing to find some kind of a treasure. Treasure is something that is greatly valued. It's something that is a priority. Something that we might consider important or maybe uh, uh, imperative that we find. What can our treasure in this life be, and where is our heart? What can it be? Well, there are many treasures that we can have. There are many things that we can put in our life, and maybe many of these things can be put before God. Now I wanna, I, I, I'm going to ask some folks to help me here, but I have a treasure chest here. The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now I've got a treasure chest here. And in this treasure, I find my heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, I wonder what's in this treasure. I wonder what's in, in uh, where my heart is supposed to be. Well, I'm going to have a few people help me dig out a few things out of this treasure box. And let's see what could possibly Maybe be where your heart is. Where is it? Okay, young man, would you like to grab something out of here? Go ahead, come on, just grab one thing. Doesn't matter what it is. Now, how did I know that he would pick the car? <laughs> All right, good. You can be seated. Um, for some people, a treasure is their vehicles, right? I mean, I've seen, I, I've, seen the, uh, I, I've seen a guy literally every single day come out. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with it, I guess. But, but I've seen people that have taken, a, taken the, their car and they wipe it down every single day, take all the dust off of it. I mean, it's got to be immaculate. And, uh, you know, this is a, oh, what is this, a, a 350Z, classic Nissan car. Okay, nice. Um, but, uh, you know, you've got your classic cars, you've got your nice sports cars that you have today, you've got your uh, SUVs, you, you've got your trucks, you've got all kinds of cars, and you know, uh, it's a treasure, right? I mean, people treasure things like that. They enjoy it. Uh, many of them have, you know, maybe had the same vehicle all their life, or, or maybe, maybe they just bought a new one. But, but for a lot of people, it's a treasure, isn't it? Okay. Now, so, uh, have somebody, maybe I'll just have this gentleman come up and grab one thing at a time. It might make it easier. Okay, just grab something else here. Uh, let's see what else we have in this treasure box. What could be the treasure? All right. You know that there's a lot of people um, that treasure their job, and that is their whole life. Okay, you can be see. Uh, that's their whole life. I have a post office hat. Okay? Uh, but that's their employment, right? They, they, work, they work hard, and for some people, it's their entire life. Uh, I, I, I have a supervisor that, she said this, she says, I work like 100 hours a week, but she's got a family. Where's the treasure? For some people, their treasure might be their employment. For some people, that's all they can do is to try to make it up the corporate ladder. That's their whole life. I want to be, I, I, you know, I want to go from being this to being the supervisor to being the, uh, the local company president to being the district president to next thing you know, you're into Washington, D.C. representing them all. I want to be the C CEO. That's all they have. That's their treasure. All right? Let's, go, let's get another one here. You're going to get your exercise. That's all right. You're doing good. Thank you so much. You got it? Okay. Is anybody hungry today? How would you like to have, I, I've literally seen a sandwich that big. Uh, how many of you like to have a sandwich that big? Uh, some of you probably eat a sandwich that big. You're probably, you're, you're probably hungry now. But you know the Bible talks about people whose God is their belly. People who uh, are gluttonous. People who, um, you know, that's all their life. That they, they just, they have to make the latest thing. They have to, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being a, a chef. Thanks God for chefs. I like, I like the food that they make and stuff. But for some people, 
I mean, that's their life. I mean, they, they have to find out the newest thing. They have to read the next magazine. They have to figure out what the best spices are. They have to do all this. And, and literally, their, their life is completely wrapped around food. Is there anything wrong with food? No, I'm hungry right now. Let's go eat. But, uh, but for some people, that might be a treasure. Okay? All right, here we go. Let's see what else we have in this treasure box. All right. Do you know? Do you know? For a lot of people, it's sports. Sports are a really big thing, aren't they? Whether it's baseball. I mean, we just got we just got done watching basketball, right? And uh, you know, uh, Kansas Jayhawks won. won the, am I right? That, that's right. Kansas Jayhawks won. Uh, they, 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 they. You know, all uh, these these uh, basketball teams and stuff. You know, uh, NHL, NFL. I like to watch hockey, but I don't get to see it very much because I don't get the NHL channel, but whenever it is, I, li I like to watch it if I can. I like hockey. But you know what? For some people, that's all their life. All their life was, since they were a little kid, they, I, I, had, a, I had a neighbor one time, and uh, all they did was yell at their kid because their kid wasn't, never was good enough trying to throw the ball. Now, I don't know ever. They moved away, and I don't know whatever happened to I know, you know, but it would, to me, it would have been discouraging the way he was getting yelled at all the time. But, but for, for some parents, that's all they could do is try to get their kids to, you know, maybe they, they were good and now they want their kids to follow in their footsteps. And, and, you know, I want you to, you know, get so good that, you know, you can, you can, you know, play baseball in the big leagues and, 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 and. For, but for some people, you know, all, all their life is, you know, I, I've got to be in football, I've got to be in basketball, or I've got to watch it, and I've got my team, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I like different teams of different things, but, you know, I'm lucky to watch one or two games of either one in the, in the year. Uh, why? Because it's not, my, it's not my life. It's not my treasure. I, I enjoy it, and lately I, I've enjoyed it that much less because there's been so much political correctness, if you know what I mean. All right, so... Uh, but here we go. What else do we have in here? Okay. You know, for some people, fancy clothes. Okay. People go window shopping. I don't mean going buying windows. I'm talking about window shopping, especially uh, ladies, but men might do it too. I don't know. I, now, I enjoy shopping with my wife because I just like being with her. But you know what I'm talking about. You see all the latest things, the latest fashions, you know, what, what just, you know, uh, came out of France or what, whatever, or the latest perfume, the way to, you know, all the latest rage. Now, there's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with dressing nicely. But what we're talking about here is the heart. What we're talking about here, if God has blessed you, you know, with money and you can go buy something nice like that, praise the Lord. That's, that's, but, but don't make it your life. Don't make it your treasure. Be thankful that God has blessed you enough so that you can do that. But, but yeah, for, for, for a lot of people, it's clothing. For, for a lot of people, I've got to have the latest fashion. I've got to have this. I've got to have that. If I'm not, I'm, going to be, I'm not going to be accepted by my coworkers. If I'm not, I'm not going to be accepted by all my lady friends or my guy friends. And, I, you know, I've got to, I've got to look, uh, have the part, and, you know, just like look, look like everybody else. And a lot of times these days, it's more worldly than anything else. What other kind of treasure can we have? Okay, for some, it might be jewelry. It might be the rings, the earrings, the uh, bracelets, the things you put in your hair. For some, it might be, I've got to have all this. I've got to have these nice things. I've got to have these jewels. I've got, you know, I've got, my, you know, the lady in my church has this, so I've got to wear this. And, you know, my neighbor has this, so I've got to wear this, and I've got to look nice. And I, it's all a matter of the heart, folks. It's all a matter. Is there anything wrong with it? No. Is there anything wrong with having nice stuff? No. What I'm talking about here is what is your treasure? Where is your heart? Where is your mind? Where are you with God? All right, here we go. He's getting his exercise. All right. We talked about money, didn't we? People in their lives, that's all they want is money. I wish this was real. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be giving it out, right? No, no. Uh, but, but 
you know, hundreds, tens, ones, money, get it in my pocket, go spend it, go buy all my uh, fancy toys and, and all the things that are out there. Is there anything wrong with any of that? No. But it's all a matter of the heart. It's all a matter of where you are with God when it comes to that stuff. So many, so many people have taken their lives and ruined their lives and ruins the, ruined the lives of their families and the lives of their kids because they put this before church. They put it before God. And they said, I am going to make money and I'm going to work on Sunday and I'm not going to take my kids to church. And they wonder why their kids find themselves on their way to a, a life that is in ruin because they put this first. All right, we got a couple more, and, and uh, let's see what we got here. Okay. Beautiful house. Is there anything wrong with the house? No, I'm glad that I have one. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of homeless people would like to have a house too, I'm sure. But God blesses us with a beautiful house. Maybe, uh, you know, beautiful yard. All the beautiful things that comes with it. We have that beautiful house. But where does God stand in this house? Between Is this between you and God? What happens in the house? Do you worship God in the house? Or do you enjoy all the things that are around about in that house and you're all proud about it and, and, and God is not first? All right. And of course, he picks the last one. <laughs> the first one's the car. <laughs> Teen typical teenager, that's all right. And a guy, right. Yeah, you're my kind of guy. I like that. Um, family. I love my family. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. Well, I got one coming, one other coming. We'll talk about that later. But some people, some people even put their family. They say, well, you know, the only time I have to, to, to get off to go to church, uh, you know, to get off uh, to do things with my family is on Sunday. They put their family before God. And I'm here to tell you that uh, you will find that your family will be in ruin and fall the devil because you have put your family before God. Well, there's a revival meeting. But, you know, we've, we need to go down and we need to go to the state park and enjoy it over there. We're going to go fishing. We're, we're, you know, it's hunting season. We're going to go hunting. Now, all that stuff's good and you have to have a certain time for all that. But, you know, we have something going on in the church. But instead of going to the thing at church, we're going to do something else. Your kids see that. They see where your heart is. And what I'm saying here today is that so many of us, uh, you know, our heart, uh, our treasure, our, our heart, our treasure is in our heart. And what is in our heart? Well, you know, we might have all these things. Every single one of these things rep represents something that may, something that may have taken the place of God in your heart. But, hmm, nothing else in there, is there? There's something that we do need, and that's Jesus. He didn't see it there because it was hidden. It was hidden. But you know what? Instead of taking all of these things, and allowing these things to cause your heart to be cold and not hot. Instead of sitting on the fence and saying, well, I'm going to let some of these things kind of get in my heart and my life, and I'm going to put those things first, and, and, and I'm, going to, uh, you know, I'm going to let these things be a part of my life, and I'm not going to put Jesus first. Uh, instead of doing that, how about if we put Jesus first? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I'm saying here today is that we need to have a heart that is for God. We need to have a heart for Jesus. We need to have a heart that says, I'm not going to put anything before God. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to make him first in my life. And you know what? Uh, Jesus will know 
where your heart is. He will know about what you can do. Now, uh, many of you might know the story of, uh, uh, of uh, King Tutankhamun, but the, the archaeologist Howard Carter had uh, searched the deserts of Egypt for 30 years. He knew that there was something there. I mean, he just sensed that there was something there. And for 30 years, he had been looking and looking, and, and, and he, he, he was about to give up. And even for, for he decided, okay, well, you know, uh, he was going to try it. And for some more time, he, he continued on. And in November of 1922, during his final season, he was just not going to do it anymore. He was, he was not going to, he, he didn't know if he was going to find it, but he was going to give it one more time. And during his final season, he uncovered a hidden staircase between the two, uh, underneath the tomb of Ramses VI. He sent a cable to England and says, at last I've made a wonderful discovery. And as he began to go down in there, he discovered the tomb of King Tutankhamun, or, or short for King Tut. The first intact royal mummy ever found was removed from that place where it had been rested for nearly 3,000 years. He had a firm belief that his work was correct. He had a firm belief that this treasure that he was looking for would be found. And I'm here to say it doesn't have to take 30 years to find Jesus. He's in your heart. And you know what? Jesus wants you to put him first place in your life. I want you to go back to Revelation chapter 3, and we'll finish up. Revelation chapter 3. This lukewarm church, this Laodicea, these people that were lukewarm, these people that uh, were fence-sitters, these people that were compromisers. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17, it says this, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Oh, stop right there. Now the Bible says they realized that they were rich. They realized that they had the goods. They realized uh, that they had no need of anything. They had no need of God. Uh, they were sitting on the fence. They were compromisers. We don't need God. We want to st step in the world, but we want to have, have our religious beliefs. We want to have our traditions. We, we want to follow our, our rabbi. We want to do the law, but yet they would not go all out for Christ. And the Bible says that they had need of nothing. This was an attitude. I've got all of this. I've got everything that I want, everything that I desire, everything that I hope for, everything that I work for. I've got it all. But the sad thing is they didn't realize that they were poor and they were wretched and they were blind and they were naked before God. God says, you are nothing. Do you realize what I can do? Do you realize who I am? He told them at the beginning, right? He says, you are the church of Laodicea. I, 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 I told you who I am. I'm the faithful and true witness. I told you what I can do. I am the creator. I am the, I am the one that can help you with all of this. And you have fallen into the trap of allowing your treasures and allowing your goods and allowing all these things that you want to make you in the attitude of, I have need of nothing. I don't need God. God turned around and says, look, you are one who is wretched and poor and blind and naked to me. You have nothing to me. And I want to just spew you out. I want to throw you up. You make me sick. You are disgusting to me. That's what he's saying. 
Let the ear hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. What is God saying through the church of Laodicea as the messenger began to tell the people, maybe the people began to wake up and saying, yeah, that is our church. That is who we are. That is the attitude that we have. That is where we stand before God. We have put all these things before God. And it goes on. And as we look in, uh, I am glad that God is a God that is a God of mercy. And in, in verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. What is he saying here? He puts that verse in the Bible and he says, Look, I want you to know, even though, uh, even though you have fallen into this trap of making all of these things your treasures, even though you say that I have need of nothing, even though that you are poor and wretched and blind and naked, I want you to know that there is a door and I want you to open that door so that I can come in and I can commune with you and I can sup with you and I can have a fellowship with you and I can love you and I can forgive you and I can grow you strong. What I'm saying here today, it's a matter of the heart. Thou art neither cold, thou art neither hot, but you're lukewarm. You make me sick, but I want you to know something today. There's a door and you can open a, that door to your heart and if you open that, God will forgive you. God will allow you to be at the right place with him. And he will restore that fellowship again. Why? Because Christ came in and took the place of all of it. What I'm saying here is God's people need to stop standing on the fence need to stop compromising. Churches need to stop compromising uh, their beliefs and their standards, and they need to stand up for, for what's right, and they need to do what's right, and step in all the way and jump into the water and say, I am going to be on fire for God. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to serve God with all my heart. I am going to do everything that God wants me to do. I'm not going to let anything take its place. Where is your treasure here today? There are some folks here, I truly believe, that we uh, and you and myself, we need to uh, understand that sometimes these things can get in our way from allowing Jesus to be our treasure. Where do you stand today? It's a heart attitude. What kind of attitude do you have? And where do you stand with Christ? Are you hot? Are you cold? Where are you today? I think there are some folks here today that need to ask that question. And I think, as, I, as, I, as I've given this message here today, I believe that God's people need to open up their heart and say, where do I stand with God? Where's my treasure? Have I put anything before God? Let's pray.